Hello everyone, I'm your host Luke, and this is my co-host... Rod, how's it going everybody, everybody? And we're back, um, sorry for the short intermission this week, just kind of recovering and blah blah blah, you don't care, but, um, follow me on Twitter, huh. Um, anyways, today we're talking about, uh, deep sea creatures of the deep, um, the... Main thing to, uh, I guess, say as a side note on this is the the we know more about outer space than we do uh, the deep parts of the ocean, and most of these creatures, you know, we see um, very rarely, and are like we still don't know a lot about them because you know, like. Uh, Jared, surely you've seen some of those videos of like, uh, you know, like their deep sea oil cameras or whatever. Yeah, deep sea oil rigs and they catch them on the camera. Yeah, like, uh, have here, like, I I want you to look up one. It's called the Magna Pinna Squid. Have you seen that one? M-A-G-N-A-P-I-N-N-A Squid. Magna Pegna squid. I, I just... Magna Pegna squid. Ooh. It's also considered a big fin squid. They're a group of uh, rarely seen cephalopods with a distinct morphology. They're placed in the genus Magnopina family Magnopindae. Um, it's only known from larval and paralarval and juvenile specimens. Some authorities believe adult specimens have been seen. Uh, several videos... But taking the nickname long arm squid. Oh you, my gosh, those are weird looking. Yeah, their their arms can be like literally fifty to sixty feet long. And uh, do you, do you see that green picture, like the green and black one? Yeah. Where its arms are like sticking straight out. Yeah, it looks like an alien. It has like uh, like it has those fins on the top of its head. Yeah, so, like, the fins on top of its head are, like, how it swims, but it, they think it's it spreads its arms out like that to maximize how uh, much it can, um, like, you know, yeah, you know, collect more food and whatnot. So, um, I'll kick it off oh, to yeah. you. All right. One second. Come back to the other tab. Loop. Um, so, the first one, the peacock... Uh, so also just add on to Luke's introduction, this is going to be like short excerpts of each creature, um, just like a little paragraph of what they are and uh, whatnot. Um, and so we're going to go through 50 of them and uh, we'll be switching off so they'll be we're, really short. They won't be very detailed, so it'll just be introductions. We're going to try to. Yeah, we're going to try to. Um, so peacock mantis shrimp. Found in the Indian and uh, tropical western Pacific oceans, the peacock mantis shrimp is a candy-colored crustacean known for its ability to quickly punch prey with its two appendages. According to Oceana, the International Ocean Preservatory Avocation Group, the shrimp's punch is one of the fastest movements in the animal kingdom, so much so that it's strong enough to break aquarium glass walls. But no, uh, no worries. They mostly only use their fists to steal to break open mollusks and dismember crabs. 
but yeah, they they said that their punch is so fast it's uh goes about as fast as a uh, twenty two caliper uh, uh, bullet, which is insane. Yeah, so I I just want to add up add to these is that they're very um they're very colorful shrimp, and they also you you can find plenty of videos about them on YouTube and like people actually are able to keep them as pets but they they have these two claws that like they'll like punch out and when they hit something it it creates something called like a cavitation bubble or whatever and it like creates a like a void a small void in the um, seawater and, uh, you know, for, forcing all the surrounding water in, but then all the pressure forces it to rush back in. And like, um, like they've actually done the, like a measurement of the temperature of the, of those cavitation bubbles. And it's like a couple of thousand degrees, uh, Fahrenheit or whatever. And, uh, yeah, it's enough to boil this tea water. Right. And, um, <laughs> they're, they're really cool. And like, if, you know, looking at their eyes, apparently like they, they have like six eyes, you know, three per stock. And like they're, they can see on multiple different wavelengths, you know, you know, way wider than, you know, like you or I can see they're amazing creatures. Um, yeah, they actually have one at the aquarium near us, downtown. Oh, that that's where my, uh, I think I told you this, but that's where my junior uh, homecoming was. Yeah. All right, number two for you, good sir. Okay, so the pink see-through Fantasia, like, you really need to look up this thing for itself. It looks kind of like a pink giant pill, but then it has, like, a long tube you know, it looks like a, like a part of your intestine, right? Yeah, it's like see-through except for its intestines. That's what it looks like. Yeah, so it's called the pink see-through Fantasia. We know very little about this. We actually have footage of it swimming, though. Um, it's found about 1.5 miles deep into the Celebus Sea in the western Pacific, east of Borneo. It's only discovered only little over a decade ago back in 07 but th this cucumber has a survival tactic that points to its long time evolution uh it it has bioluminescence to ward off predators um you know a lot of uh deep sea creatures actually have bioluminescence and the pink see-through fantasia is named for its transparent skin through which you can see its mouth its um I'll say rear end and intestines are all visible. Have you, uh, have you seen, uh, here, uh, why, why don't you read the next one, uh, Jared and all, uh, oh, okay, so it's called the barrel eye fish, and, like, you can literally see its brain. Oh, yeah, those are crazy. Have you seen uh, those? Yeah, uh, yeah, I've seen those before. Okay. Uh, frog fish. It's so easy to miss the frogfish because these types of anglerfish, there are over 50 specimens of them, all nearly identical to their surroundings, mostly coral reefs. They resemble sponges or algae covered by rocks, some in, uh, in pretty much every color and texture imaginable. 
Some frogfish even use their camouflage not only to hide, but rather to mimic poison sea slugs. No matter their appearance, one thing all frogs fish have in common is their strange mode of locomotion. Although they can swim, most along, um, walk along with their pectoral fins, which have evolved into arm-like limbs, including a joint that resembles an elbow. Interesting. But yeah, look, I didn't want to go into too much detail with these. I just wanted to be like a brief overview and see how many you could get through. Oh yeah, that, that's fine. I'm sorry. I just get stuck talking about them because they're, to me, these are all very, you know, you, you don't see most of this stuff, you know, and fish everyone sees, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, sturgeons, like sturgeons look crazy to me. Okay. Um, I know, those are so weird. <laughs> okay. Uh, ribbon eels. Usually seen nestled into burrows around coral reefs, the ribbon eel um, lives in Indonesian waters from East Africa to southern Japan, Australia, and French Polynesia. The juveniles start out black with a pale yellow strip along the fins, and as they grow, they, it transitions to a bright blue and yellow coloring. These eels are considered protrantic hermaphrodites, meaning they change sex from male to female several times throughout their lives. But the coolest thing about them is, like, they have these weird growths, kind of like catfish whiskers on their uh, on the front of their mouths. Um, yeah, I think that's, is that for mating, or is that a sensory organ? I'm not exactly sure. I don't know. Your turn. Yeah, the frills. The frilled shark, we've seen this one before. Um, this is one of the gnarliest looking creatures in the sea. It looks like an ancient beast because it is. The prehistoric creature's roots go back 80 million years. The frilled shark can grow about seven feet long and is named for its frilly appearance of its gills. Although a uh, shark can name his animals swim in a distinctly serpentine fashion, much like an eel. They mostly feed on squid and mostly swallow their prey whole. Yeah, I would not want to see one of those when swimming in the water. That would be uh, pretty creepy. <laughs> they're they're cool um i i mean they're the their teeth look very weird they they look like they're uh you know baleen you know like on a whale yeah that's kind of what they, like they have multiple rows of them yeah which they probably do because Sharks lose their teeth a lot. Okay, so I I think you've seen these, uh, Jared, but it's called the Christmas tree worm. Uh, they, to me, it's weird because like there's a lot of creatures in the deep that like they kind of blur the line between like plant and like animal, you know? Because these look like plants, but you know they're they're like the fronds on their no, these are actually like part of their nostrils or whatever, and they like kind of filter through the water and catch food with them. Um, so it's called the Christmas tree worm. The spiral branches are actually the worm's breathing and feeding apparatus, uh, while the worm itself lives in a tube. These tree like crowns are covered in hair like appendages called radioles. Uh, these are used for breathing and catching prey, but they can be withdrawn if the Christmas tree worm feels threatened. So, like, if you look up a video of these, you'll see that they, like, uh, they're actually on uh, coral reefs, too. Uh, 
And when the, like, when the, uh, like the, I guess it's called the ROV, like, gets close to them, you can see them, like, pulling in these uh, branches of theirs. Yeah, that is really interesting. And they're quick about it, too. They just go, whoop. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think they rarely, if ever, move, so... Uh, so, on to number seven, the box crab. Like so many other sea creatures, the box crab is a master of disguise. In this case, the crustacean, which mostly keeps to the seabed, buries itself beneath the sand with just its eyes protruding from the mucky depths. One of the most fascinating aspects of the box crab is its life cycle, <clears throat> its mating habit, which literally redefines what it means to be swept off your feet. When the male crab has found its mate, it grasps onto her with its claws and carries her around the seafloor until she molts her shell. Oh, and that's what the video is. Yeah, I'm like, what What the hell is this? <laughs> you see it, like, skittering across the, uh, the ocean floor with the female crab in its claws? Yeah, I, I've never heard of that. I've never heard of those. Looks, yeah, like, those, are, those are cool. I was like, is it carrying a dead shell or something? That's what I originally thought, too, until I read the article. Yeah. Or the little uh, short excerpt. It was, okay. like, uh, apparently a mating ritual. Okay, here's another one I've never seen, Jared. It's called the squid worm. That... Oh, that's cool. Yeah, what the hell is that? <laughs> uh, researcher... Yeah, guys, if you guys want to look these up, want to look these up while we're talking about them, that'd be awesome, too, so you can get the view of what they look like. Yeah, they look crazy. Look, look up siphonophores while you're at it, because those look nuts. Um, they can actually be up to, like, 100 feet long. Um, so researchers with the Census of Marine Zoo Plankton first discovered the squidworm in 2007 during a cruise in a ROV some 1.8 miles underwater. This, I guess it's a fish, is named for the 10 appendages protruding from its head which look like tentacles. It uses these to collect debris falling from the open waters uh, known as marine snow. It Doesn't it look like some kind of worm? It does. I, I wonder what... It does look like a worm with like fins. Yeah, what... Like those translucent things sticking out from its body. I wonder if that's like how it swims, I guess. That's what I would assume, yeah. Um, and also, just so you guys are aware, ROV is remotely operated vehicle. So they use those to go down into the ocean. Down yeah, it's like those. It's like those yellow, uh, really small submarines. Yep, yep. Number nine, giant isopod. These guys are native to chilly, deep waters and can grow to be quite large. In 2010, a remotely so ROV um, discovered a giant isopod measuring 2.5 feet. These crustaceans sort of resemble a massive uh, woodworm, are carnivorous and usually found on dead animals that fall down from the ocean surface. Des despite their discovery back in 1879, these features are mostly remain a mystery. However, it's uh, believed that giant isopods go so large in order to withstand the pressure at the bottom of the sea. Wow, I can't believe they get up to 2.5 feet long. They probably get even bigger than that. Yeah. That's what we've seen. They, uh... The isopods are like one of the earliest invertebrates. Um, like they used to be a lot more uh, species and whatnot, but like they like died off and whatnot. So, yeah. 
Okay, uh, nudie pranks. Um, they're those, you've probably seen pictures of them. They're very colorful uh, sea slugs. And, uh, uh, yeah, nudie branch. They actually, they actually, um, will bite off, um, the tentacles of uh, sea anemone and like they're able to move the, uh, nematocysts, which are the, like the stinging cells of like jellyfish and like, uh, Portuguese men of war and whatnot. And they store those in the tentacles sticking out of their, uh, backs to, like sting any predators that come close to them. Um, so there's over 3,000 different species on record. Uh, there's an extremely versatile kind of sea slug. They're found pretty much everywhere in both shallow and deep water. Um, there are two distinct kinds, Dorid nudibranchs, which are smooth with feather-like gills on their back to help them breathe, and Iolid nudibranchs, which breathe through a different kind of organ, also locate on their backs called serrata. Because the tiny nudibranch lacks a shell, it instead protects itself with bright camouflage meant as a warning signal. Uh, but, you know, like I was saying, they have the ability to uh, swallow, digest, and reuse stinging cells from prey, also called uh, nematocysts. Sea angel, you seeing this, Luke? That thing's crazy looking. I mean, it's like a, it's kind of hard to. It, it looks like a plastic bag. Yeah, kind of. It's like a it's like a tubular creature with like wings, and it's all uh, the wings are like translucent, and its body is almost like it's like almost opaque. Like you could kind of see through it, but not really. You just see like a. Uh, dark blobs through the, its main body, which I assume are its brain and its intestines, um, and its uh, digestive tract. Well, like, um, well, like, although like they're you, called sea angels, these pictures. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you, you can see through their tail, kind of, and their fins. Yeah, can't even see where its eyes are. Like, you kind of see like little it, from its ball. If but. if it has eyes, it probably doesn't even use them. Yeah. True. Although these are called sea angels, those creatures are, are actually predatory sea snails. This particular, particular specimen flies through the deep Arctic waters, punching the, um, the shelled petropods, another type of snail. Uh, marine senses life. Sea angels have um, a special parapoda uh, or lateral extension of their foot that helps them propel through water. Para, parapodia. So parapodia. Surely you've seen these, right? The gulper eels. I have not seen like them they today. have these giant mouths and like they like kind of distend their jaws and like they just swallow huge fish and crap. Um, and the way they the way they swim is like their head and then like the rest of their body, like the tail, just like kind of hangs down. They at least that's how they've been seen swimming. Um, so it's also called the pelican eel or the gulper eel. It's named for its massive mouth and jaw, which helps them swallow prey whole. They can grow up to be six feet in length, and their huge mouths allow them to hunt down meals that are far larger than them. This usually happens when food is scarce. It's believed that these eels usually eat crustaceans and other small marine uh, animals. Whoa, what oh, the heck is this? Here's the, that, that's, a, that's a siphonophore. 
Morris Okathorakana. Um, the best way I could describe this is it looks like a bunch of like clear glass like jars um, attached to a red line of fire with a, like if you think of like a spaceship with a, a jet flying out the back of it, it's kind of like that except horizontal. And so those little glass pods are connected to that like uh, yellow line. It's really interesting. Oh, it even says it here. Uh, like a multi-stage rocket, this bizarre microscopic creature uh, made up of multiple uh, made up of, of multiple repeated units, including tentacles and multiple stomachs. Technically, there are they are cyclo connected uh, uh, siphonophores, which are related to the Portuguese man of war. Like ants, a colony made up of many individuals has uh, attributed to resembling a single organism. Wow, that is cool looking. So I think each of those uh, glass jars, as you were calling them, Jared, are like, I think they're called polyps or something. But basically... Yeah, probably like individual creatures. But basically these creatures are made up of tight those colonies called zooids and like they all kind of work together to you know kind of keep the organism alive um okay finally we're getting to the giant squid did did you see that picture the one that recently washed up on the shore i think it was south africa did you see it yeah i believe so yeah it's huge yeah a couple months ago right I think it was, like, maybe a month ago, but I don't know. So the giant squid known as Archituthus ducks, deuce, D-U-X, is uh, the stuff of nightmares. The largest one ever recorded came in at a whopping 43 feet long, nearly half the size of a blue whale. Earlier this year, scientists created a draft genome sequence for the giant squid in a bid to better understand it. With about 2.7 billion base pairs, its genome is about 90% the size of the human genome. Beyond that, scientists don't know a whole lot about the giant beast or its habits because most of what we know come from their carcasses, which wash up on the shore, um, and they live in water so deep that we never even see them. Um, I mean, I, I do know one thing is that there's... Aren't, aren't there, like, whale carcasses or whales that, like, have that fight like get in fights with these things and like you can see those scars on their on their snouts from when they uh their tentacles brush up against them or whatever well tentacles and their beak yeah because uh those giant squids have a beak and um yeah like you're mentioning there's been a time where whales will have those stars of the of the suction cups and then also of the beak bites as well um from getting in fights with them because whales like to eat them, so that uh, squids do not like it, and they fight back. <laughs> they like to throw hands. <laughs> Number 15, the Minopis isopod. A virus? An alien? Nope. It's a Minopis isopod crustacean. Even scientists haven't figured out more than, um, than uh, that about this deep southern ocean denizen. Uh, denizen. Yeah, isopods are ancient creatures. They've been on Earth in one form or another for 300 million years or so. With no backbone, they have several, uh, seven pairs of legs. On land, you might be familiar with their cousin, the pill bug. But yeah, it looks like it has like a big brown head, um, like four different, or six different, or uh, it has six legs on its head, and then it has a long slender body with another six legs on it as well from the looks of it. Okay. It also has two protruding like eyes or sensory organs from the top of its head as well. 
definitely an interesting looking creature. Kind of looks like a shrimp. Yeah. But it has a long, white, tubular, very thin body. Um, exactly. Red lip batfish. Well, that thing looks... What the heck is that thing? Uh, they actually, their fins they used to, like, walk along the uh, ocean floor. So, um... This fish is also known as the Galapagos batfish and can be found at the bottom of the ocean, named for its red lips, um, which make it appear to be wearing lipstick. Although it appears to have legs, its limb-like appendages are actually fins, which the creature uses to stand on and to check out its surround surroundings. And I think it can walk on them, too. I'd be surprised if it couldn't. Yeah. Okay, I have never yeah, seen I have never seen this thing. Oh, the armor uh, armor snail. Yes. Oh my god, that thing looks so cool. Uh, there's no other snail in the world uh, armored like the Brissomalan Suffaferum. I'm bad at pronunciation, and that way I butchered that. Um, which lives over the hydrothermal vents deep in the Indian Ocean. It goes by quite a few other names, including the scaly foot gastropod, scaly foot snail, and even the snail or the sea pe uh, pangolin. Uh, today, its multi-layered uh, sea or shell structure is inspiring stronger materials from airplane hulls to military equipment. Man, that thing is cool looking. I was trying to find out how... Wait how big it can get um the width of the shell is 0.39 to 1.58 inch um and yeah they're tiny yeah just like any other snail well i mean I there's some pretty damn big snails yeah true and i was thinking this one might be a little bit bigger because of the uh depths that it lives at Usually size is an advantage in the deep sea to yeah. the pressure. So I was thinking that they might have been a little bit larger than regular snails, too. Deep sea gigantism. Yep. Okay. Uh, bioluminescent octopus. It looks like a, you know, the, it has the eight tentacles and then it has, it kind of looks like a parachute, or not a parachute, an umbrella spread out. Um, it, why it does that, is because it collects the marine snow that is drifting down from uh, below. Um, it uses bioluminescence. It lives about one mile deep in the Gulf of Maine. It can position its photophores, the light-emitting organs, to fool prey into swimming right into its mouth. Wow. <laughs> That's sneaky. Yeah. Looks creepy. Uh the flamingo tongue snail. With a name like flamingo tongue snail in the flamboyant coloration of match, you might think this uh, Sciomore gypsum has a shell worthy of collecting. Not so. All of the flamingo tongue snail colors come from its soft parts of its body, which envelop its shell. When threatened, it can retract its uh, mantle flaps, exposing its true shell. I've never Interesting. So it actually has its it actually has its flesh over the shell, and when it when it gets uh, fearful or scared, it actually goes into its shell like a, and the shell uh, comes to the exterior that, that's really interesting that thing it's must like be tiny yeah it probably is really tiny 
And it looks like a yellow like scobas almost with a bunch of like uh, dots kind of uh, like uh, patterns kind of like a tigers and it has like a um, I don't know how to describe this it, it looks like a car with a, a, a car cover on it you know what I mean um, that kind of like goes out to the ground and, and goes out well like it, a slug it, interesting it has a yellow semi-transparent body frills on the bottom with like black stripes and then orange black dots running up and down its uh upper body kind of um the vampire squid i think i've heard this this before uh it's neither a squid nor an octopus it is scientists have designated it as a completely separate animal even though it has eight arms and two tentacles um these creatures don't suck blood and actually are pretty passive hunters considering they're filter feeders. Instead, the name comes from the skin between its arms, which resembles a cape. And this uh, guy lives in the pitch black waters of the mesopelagic zone. Mesopelagic zone. Interesting. How far down is that? I'll, I'll look that up while you're doing the next one. Okay. Number 21, coffin fish. Oh, this guy's an odd-looking guy. He has, like, two fins to the side. He's, like, uh, looks like a grapefruit with eyes and a mouth with two fins off to the side, and it looks like uh, two fins on below him that are, like, feet. And he has a bunch of spikes on him. Also known as the sea toad, these uh, deep-water fish are relatives of the frogfish. Um, these uh, fish have small lures protruding from the depressions behind their eyes. Coffin fish use it to lure their prey towards them because there's so little light at the depths where they live, it allows them to quickly attack. Um, these fish also boast such sizable gills that they can increase their volume, uh, body volume by up to 30% upon inhaling a significant quantity of water. That would be the equivalent of uh, humans inflating their lungs to become the size of their full abdomen. Not exactly possible. It, Interesting. It kind of looks like it, uh, that bat fish, right, where it's it looks like it has uh, feet. Or legs. Yeah, yeah, it does. It looks like it has little legs. And then it, it probably uses that to prop itself, like to corner a reef, so really down far below the ocean, and like lure in its prey, and then it uh, does a really quick movement and kills it. And then it looks like a puffer fish too, with all the bristle, bristly spines around its head. It's kind of fat. It's kind of fat. So the mesopelagic zone is uh, between. Uh, 656 to 3280 feet below the ocean surface, and uh, it is completely, uh, you know, there's no light that reaches down to it, so. Um, yeah. Okay, the leafy sea dragon, ha have you seen these? Yeah, I have, they're really cool looking. Yeah. I think you. I think people actually keep them as pets. Um, found along the southwestern coast of Australia, the leafy sea dragon uses its fins to not only propel itself through the water, but has camouflage to resemble a piece of dr drifting seaweed. Because they have pretty big heads compared to the rest of their body, they are able to concentrate pressure at their mouth to suck in prey. Similar to seahorses and pipefishes, the males carry around fertilized eggs, but without a special pouch, they carry the eggs beneath its tail. Huh. Interesting. 
Yeah, it's kind. Of, I think it'd be kind of awkward for the female to lay her eggs in the pouch because the all these fins would get in the way. True. Yeah, the blobfish. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're so weird looking. Look like a pile of snot. Number 23, Blobfish, a.k.a. Fathead. Um, that's an app description. <laughs> um, a Fathead uh, even notes that the weird looking creature is largely considered to be the world's ugliest animal. But the Blobfish is a pretty incredible sea dweller, uh, surviving at depths of excess of 4,000 feet, where the pressure is 120 times higher than at the surface. And here the thing is, the Blobfish... Is, is only actually ugly when it's brought up to the surface. Most fish have a swim bladder or a sack of air inside its body to keep it buoyant. When the fish are removed from the typical environments, these sacks swell up, leading to the innards pushing out through the mouth. Technically, we only think of the blobfish as ugly when it is dead, so maybe think twice before pointing and laughing. So it looks different when it's actually alive, like in the water and it's in the environment, but when it's out of the water, it looks really weird. Doesn't it look like a sad, bald clown face? Yeah, it kind of does. It looks like a stout clown face. Uh, Crisada Norvegica jellyfish. It looks like a orange jellyfish with a lot of tiny, tiny, tiny tentacles. Um, known for its vibrant red coloring, uh, the Crisada Norvegica is a kind of jellyfish collected from the deep Arctic. Canada Basin it lives about 2,500 meters beneath the surface and uses ectodermal cells with nematocysts to sting prey. It's not exactly clear what these creatures feed on, most likely a combo of zooplankton and phytoplankton. Oh my god, did you see the next one, Luke? Number 25, the Yeti Crab. It looks like a crab but it has an extremely long like front uh, instead of like um short pinchers it has really long pinchers and the pinchers up front aren't too big and they're covered in hair yeah they and that's where it gets the name they uh they grow bacteria on that on that hair stuff and they put them over the hydrothermal vents uh this very crabbed claw uh yeah furry clawed crab looks so unusual when scientists discovered it five thousand feet Deep on a hydrothermal vent south of Easter Island. They designated it not only a new genus, a kawaiwa, a kiwa, um, but a new family, kiwi day, um, both named for the mythological uh, Polynesian goddess of the shellfish. It's likely blind and may use its bacteria and its furry claws to de detoxify its food. Interesting. <laughs> well, if you look up uh, like this, Jared, there's actually a lot of different uh, Yeti crabs. Um, okay, this looks weird. Jawfish. Um, so when you look at a picture of it, it looks like it's throwing up. But what you're actually seeing is the strange mating process of the jawfish, a species native to coral reefs in the Caribbean and West Atlantic. Beyond using their jaws to scoop up sand, the males also use their huge mouths to carry eggs until they hatch. Still, other times their mouths are like weapons using jou jousting matches. The jawfish truly puts its money where its mouth is. Ugh. 
So what's it? So what's it do? <laughs> oh my god! Look at this. Yeah. It looks like a circular. It looks like a circular saw almost. I bet those hairs would sting the shit out of you. Oh yeah, the Victor Nirinella worm. You, uh, what do you see when a whale dies at sea? You get a feast if you're a poly shot tank worm. Well, we discovered a feeler in Maryland. I uh, found about a half mile below the sea in Sagam Bay, Japan. So they probably don't know very much about this because it's newly discovered. Yeah, it's that a really cool looking. Sorry, it's a polykeet worm. Polykeet. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, you've probably seen these before, Jared. Goblin sharks, right? They're those really ugly. Like you should just look them up. Um, yeah, they have a weird jaw. Yeah, they look. Yeah, they're they're actually really tiny. Um, well, I think at least some of the ones I've seen. Apparently, it can grow up to fifteen feet in length and has the ability to thrust its whole jaw outward in order to capture prey. Fewer than fifty goblin sharks have been spotted since eighteen ninety eight. So if you're hoping to see one, chances are slim. They're very ugly and scary. Yeah, and scary. Um, terrible claw monster. <laughs> That's funny. Um, terrible or fear in Greek, claw. Um, so it uh, has a Greek name. Um, the, this new species of blind lobster joins a very small list of cousins in the genus. Uh, Thorum... Mastochephalophis. Uh, only four other individuals and two species had been previously found, both in Australia. Scientists collected the specimen during a Aurora mission in 2007, led by the U.S. and French National History Museums and the Philippines Bureau of Fishery and Aquatic Resources. The second part of its name, Asubella, is also significant. It's in honor of Jesse, Jesse Asubella, the co-founder of Census of Marine Life. So, um... What it looks like it has is it has a smaller pincher claw and it has another one with a bunch of barbs in between it and it's much longer and it just looks like a yeah just like a lobster except it's like white in coloration yeah with one really long claw um, yeah one smaller oh god oh these things are creepy so this is a perfect example of uh deep sea gigantism have you seen these jared they like they actually live in the antarctic like very deep but they're huge they they have a very long thin body and then they have very long uh legs they're called uh sea spiders found in the antarctic um this male pycnogonid spider uh bears its own eggs it has virtually no abdomen it has a leg span of about 25 centimeters which means it's about on par size-wise with some of the largest spiders on Earth, like the Goliath birding tarantula of South America. But now if you look up uh, sea spiders, you'll see that their their legs are a lot, lot longer or can be than this one they're talking about. Oh, my God. Are you seeing number 31, dude? Yeah, it's a fish that burrows into the sediment. Yeah, the white margin stargazer. Perhaps the only other fish that could contend with the blobfish or the ugliest creature in the sea, the white margin stargazer, is a real tough guy that uses uh, double-grooved poisonous spines above its pectoral fin to sting prey. 
As if that weren't enough, the stargazer also has a electrical organs contained in a special pouch behind its eyes <clears throat> that allow it to sting its prey with up to 50 volts. As uh, for its name, the stargazer spends most of its time burrowed in the sand with only its eyes protruding up towards the surface. Yeah, guys, I'd recommend looking this guy up because he is weird looking. I, White margin stargazer. I think it's actually pretty dang big. Um, yeah, I don't know how big they get, but they, it looks interesting for sure. Okay, the Dumbo octopus. I mean, it's just like a small, small, translucent squid thing with two big ears that it uses to swim. Yeah, It looks dead. Yeah, I've seen this before. It looks dead. Um, so it's found over the mid-Atlantic ridge uh, called Dumbo because of the way it flaps its ear-like fins to swim. They're known to be the deepest dwelling species of octopi as they live at depths of 4,000 meters but often deeper than that because they are naturally rare they've developed unique breeding habits to increase the chances of producing offspring for example the females carry eggs at various stages of development and can even store uh da -da -da inside their bodies for long periods of time after mating thing that is required by males <laughs> yeah um, number 33, the Arctic Hydromedusa. That thing's weird looking too. It's all translucent. It looks like it has four tentacles. Looks like a jellyfish. Yeah. Um, it is common in the depth waters of the Arctic, about 3,300 feet deep. The broader family of the Hydromedusa are so common, in fact, that they compose a large group of uh, canarids. Nadarian. Coming in at... Wait, what? What did you say? Nadarian. Nadarian. The, oh, the sea's silent. Yeah. Uh, coming in at just a few millimeters, or a few centimeters, at absolute maximum size, though they are far smaller than your typical jellies. But what really sets them apart from a jelly is their reproductive system. Hydromedusas produce both male and female outside of the body underneath their squishy bellies. Have you, uh, have you ever, uh, what what are those really toxic fish that I think they swim around Australia? Aren't they called like box jellyfish or whatever? Yeah, box jellyfish. Yeah. Here, I'm gonna look one up because it kind of reminds me of that. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay, these have way more tentacles, but there's some where okay, like this one, Jared. It only has uh, four tentacles, so it kind of looks like that one. They're a lot longer though. Than this, yeah, the are. than this hydro medusa. Okay, obese dragonfish. I have never heard of this thing. Um, so it won't take offense to its name. Uh, is one of the largest species in the family Melanostomidae. In fact, it's actually pretty bad. A according to the Australian Museum. These deep water dwellers feature a smooth, scaleless black body, boasts a full set of large fang-like teeth, plus a long chin barbell and, barbell and a series of light-producing photophores along the body and behind both eyes. For the most part, they stick to the waters around Australia, but can be found in the Atlantic, Indian, and Pacific Oceans. Interesting. Here's another snail. Number yeah. Number 35, 
hydrothermal vent snail. Another hydrothermal vent snail. This uh, snail was found in the Suyu Sea Mountain of the Tokyo hydrothermal vents. It's the only individual of its kind ever discovered. It looks like a looks like it has like a skull shaped uh, a shell, and it has a bunch of barbs on it. And the barbs are like um, they go horizontal to the shell and go over it, kind of like a rainbow. And they're all in a line. It's really unique looking. It has like red and uh, red bluish gray like flesh underneath the shell. It's really cool. Yeah, that uh, that part touching the ground, Jer. That's like their. Uh... That's called the foot. Yeah, the foot. With, you know, like their eye stalks and crap. Yeah. Okay, uh, this looks like it walked out of a Disney movie. The red... <laughs> it does. The red spotted blenny. These algae-munching fish are mostly known to be peaceful, but when it comes to other members of their species, uh, the red spotted blenny can be hostile especially if kept in a tank. Just like tangs, they sometimes bite or full-on attack other uh, blenny fish. They even take nibbles at corals and clams at time. Their native habitats are along coral reefs in the Pacific and Indian Oceans. Hello? Sorry, I was taking a drink of water. Number 37. The Japanese spider crab. Unacceptable. Crabs are as... Wait, what? I was making fun of Adventure Time. Oh, I didn't hear that. You could have unacceptable. Unacceptable. No. Um, these giant crabs are, as their name indicates, a native to Japan and are considered delicacies throughout the country. These guys can grow up to be twelve feet long. They are not picky eaters. In fact, the Japanese spider crab is believed to favor eating the Bodies of other marine animals because it means they don't have to kill anything themselves. Damn, yeah, those things are big. They, they're insane. They have very long legs. If, Can you imagine getting one of those at a Japanese restaurant? It's just 12 feet long and the waiter's just carrying it above his head. <laughs> well, they probably know, don't. They, they probably serve them as juveniles, probably not as their uh, full size. But Jared, if you look up, if you Google Japanese spider crab, you'll see people uh, holding them, and god damn, you'll see how long their arms can get. It's crazy. Uh -huh. I, I I don't know how they even eat. Like their arms are so <laughs> god damn, they're long. Ridiculous. Yeah, this. This picture doesn't do them justice. Uh, <laughs> squirrel fish. It looks like freaking Nemo with translucent yellow fins with a big round eye. Um, Red eyes. The squirrel fish can reach a max length of about two feet. But this creature packs some serious punch in its small frame. Mostly nocturnal. They live uh, between 100 and 600 feet beneath the surface where they can scan the sandy sea floor and grass beds for prey they can actually use their swim bladder to produce sounds for communication between other squirrel fish they doesn't it look doesn't it look very tiny it does look tiny but they can get up to two feet yeah i know that's way bigger than i thought oh here's a here's a puffer fish Ugh. 39, the porcupine fish. 
Similar to their cousin, the pufferfish, the porcupine fish is covered in strong spikes and has the ability to swallow water up to um, swallow up water to puff up its body in a, into an orb when threatened. This is helpful because it's pretty much impossible for predators to swallow the porcupine fish in full-on balloon mode. Even if the predator does manage to swallow it, it has the chance to puff up, and it's still poisonous to most fish, meaning it's not a very good snack. And they attack you in raft and then blow up. I hate those. I hate those. Delicate claw crustacean. It looks like a very tiny, tiny, tiny uh, lobster, kind of, but it's like clear and pink. Um, Looks like it's made out of glass. Yeah. This newly discovered species of crustacean, known for its delicate claws, Leptochelyidae sensislato, was found near the Great Barrier Reef's Lizard Island, so they must not know that much about it. We have like. That's definitely interesting. We have like 10 minutes, so hurry up. Okay, cool. Number 41, Mimic Octopus. Uh, found in the Indo-Pacific, the Mimo, Mimic Octopus is not only known for its ability to use uh, uh, chromo... Chromatophos. Chromatophos uh, to, uh, to blend in with the surroundings, but also to skill in impersonating a number of other uh, marine life, hence the name. Among the animals that mimics defend itself from predators are the lionfish, sea snake, jellyfish, and zebra sole. At times, the Mimic Octopus uses its shape-shifting abilities to approach prey. Sometimes, uh, sometimes even appearing as a crab intended to meet before chowing down. Yeah, you just re- remember that lionfish at the tattoo shop? Oh, that was so cool. Yeah, one of eight. A uh, thornback cowfish. Yeah, that thing's ugly. That's weird. Looking. It's it kind of like, cute at the same time. It has like horns, and it has like a looks like it has puckered lips, and it has a fat triangular body. Um, technically a kind of box fish. This guy has horns at the top of its head. Um, however, in stressful environments or if it dies, the thornfish, thornback cowfish can become toxic. Yeah. Interesting. Ooh, an amphipod. Yep. Lysanoid amphipod. Amplopod, what the heck? Um, many of the newly amplopods uh, discovered by the uh, Marine Census of Life, this um, amplopod inhabits the waters near Elephant Island in the Arctic. Like other tiny crustaceans, amplopods, aka sea fleas, are a big source of food for larger creatures of the deep. So yeah, it is a, it is basically a sea flea, but it's like orange in color and very tiny. Kind of cool looking. Yeah, it, it kind of looks like a like a pill bug, you know. Uh, yeah. Parrotfish. Okay, this thing probably gets pretty dang big, ranging from one foot to four foot. There are approximately eighty different species of parrotfish in an array of colors scattered across coral reefs around the world. Their name comes from the fused teeth at the front of their mouth, which resembles a beak. Um, I guess I can see that. Incredibly, their scales are so tough that in some cases, even spears can't pierce them. Okay, here's a... That, doesn't that look like another worm with, like, the frills again? It does. Number 45, sea pen. This is basically bordering between an animal and a plant, is what it looks like. Yeah, I know. It looks like a plant. 
it kind of does. The orange sea pen is actually a colony of animals that can withdraw into the soft sediment where it's found. Generally speaking, there are over 300 species of sea pens named for their fool-like appearances. With uh, stimulation, they uh, glow with green light. So yeah, they look like a like a pen with uh, like a pen in the sand with quill, like a old fashioned like quill pen, like feathers almost. I it's really cool looking. I think they, they use those like, uh, quills to like uh, filter feed, probably. Yeah, um, probably. But they're a colony of small animals. That's kind of cool. So Matap Sweeties, Sweeties. I, I I don't even know how to describe it besides like a white and red shrimp, kinda with two two horns on the end. Kind of, I'd say like a bloodworm or like an earthworm almost, except it has white appendages and some white coloration on the body, and like you said, it has the two like antennae and they're white as well, and it looks like looks to have like six legs on each side and they're like translucent and white at the joints. Right. So this new species of Matap Sweeties, Sweeties was found in abundance amongst the coral rubble in Ningaloo, Western Australia. What is it? It's an arthropod, meaning it's somewhat related to insects, crustaceans, spiders, scorpions, and centipedes. Um, so they don't know much about it yet. Oh, this thing is ugly. Ugh. Oh, what the what, heck is what, that? What is that? It's like a giant blue fish with giant protruding lips. Yeah, Neopolin uh, Ross. So N-A-P-O-L-E-A-N-W. And then this is a second word. Ross. W-R-A-S-S-E. So you guys can look it up because it's really weird looking. You can't really beat the description of this creature from the senses of marine life, exceeding two meters in length, which is like six feet. Um, the uh, Neopolin uh, Ross uh, is one of the largest reef fish found in the warm waters of the Indian and Pacific Oceans. The intricate blue-green design that decorates the face resembles uh, New Zealand Maori war paint, which is the root of its ulterior, alternative name, the Maori uh, Ross. Um, the designs are also unique to each individual, much like fingerprints. A progodonous hermaphrodite, this Ross can change its sex from female to male. Oh, that's cool. Sea nettles. Oh, I've seen these. They're like, they have a yellow dome. They're, they're jellyfish with like these weird kind of luminous protrusions and then you know just normal tentacles um the image of swarms of sea nettles is so intense that they've been bred for aquariums they do have a sting though it's rarely a health risk for humans dude those are so cool when they swarm oh those look so cool it's do you, do you remember that scene from finding nemo where like they jump on the domes of the jellyfish yeah and they're bouncing from one to the other right <laughs> Kind, kind yeah, of like that. True, 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 true. Um, Venus flytrap anem anemone. 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 Um, the Venus flytrap anemone, the genus uh, was found in the Gulf of Mexico related to the jellyfish. The sea anemones get their names from the flower of the same name. These creatures in particular close its tentacles capturing prey or to escape predators. Uh, that's cool. So yeah, it, it basically looks like a... Um, like a clam, basically, basically, like a clam. 
Yeah, like a Venus flytrap or a clam. Yeah, it has the same like arching shape with the tentacles on the outside of it. It's pretty cool looking. Okay, Jared, I want you to, uh, I, I want you to do this last one. I, I want to hear your your initial blind description of this creature. Oh God. <laughs> It looks like a it looks like a fish with a really fat gut hanging down. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, it it it. So basically, think of it like this: it has its small head and very thin tail, um, and where the spine would be, and then right towards a little bit towards the head, like after the jaw, it starts sagging down with a big belly, and then it kind of curves up, like. Uh, like probably at the halfway mark or uh, two thirds mark of the body, it starts curving back up towards the body and it uh, narrows into a very thin tail. What in the world? That's interesting. So it's kind of like the uh, like the pelican eel. Um, it has the ability to swallow prey much larger than itself thanks to the extended gut attached to its belly. Like you should really see this. Do you think it's, do you see on the bottom part of its gut, like towards the front of the fish, do you think those are its gills? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know. It looks like a little flap almost. Yeah, it's I know. Because I, I, I think I see, about. I think I see the gills right be, behind its face, but then it looks like it has a second set almost. Maybe those are fins. Um, yeah, maybe it's like a little fan or something. So it lives in the deep and food can be scarce to come by in the abysmal depths. Um, yeah. Ugh. Do you, do you think it's see-through? No, it just looks black to me. I don't yeah. think it's see-through. It looks like a gunmetal gray. Yeah. I, I think, I don't think it's see-through. Um, what's your, uh, what's your favorite one we covered? Um, I'm looking through the list real quick too. I don't know. I I like the red spotted Blenny just because of the face. Um, yeah. I think my two favorites are the Dum Dumbo octopus because it's really cute, and the white margin stargazer because it's so creepy. I creepy. I also like the I also like the leafy sea dragon. I I, I always like oh, uh, cool. I always like uh, seahorses. Um, yeah, the leafy sea dragon. And, cool. you know, I like, uh, I like the, I love giant squid, so, you know, whatever. Yeah, the vampire squid is really cool, too. Because, like, uh, squid have, like, a, like, a freaking siphon, and, like, giant squid have, a, like, a giant one, and that's, like, how they propel themselves through the water. Um, I also, yeah, like I also had never seen the squid worm. Like, that thing looks alien to me. Same with the Maris Orothoracana. Um, that one is super weird. Looks like a it looks like a multi stage rocket. That one's so cool. Yeah, the <laughs> little like jars on it. The siphonophore. Yeah, those are weird. Yeah. Uh, they they so, they yeah, think that, that they think that none of those actually like every one is gonna look different. So there's not really like species per se. Um, that like they all look different. 
it's just the way that those different um, creatures all come together. Right. Um, so I think we'll end it there, guys. We're just right at 60 minutes. So thanks for listening. Uh, this has been your host, Luke, and my co-host. Rod. Have a good okay, day. Uh, check out. Yep. And check out the rest of our podcast as well. Bye. Peace.